I definitely stand in need of your prayers this morning, as always. You pray for me. We'd like to take a thought now, if the Lord uh, be our guide and, and the Lord will bless us with these thoughts uh, for what time we have left. And we'd like to look, go to the 29th chapter of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29. Now, Jeremiah here in the book of Jeremiah, and, and also he wrote, uh, was the uh, Lamentations, right? He's, he's been called the, the weeping prophet. Because not weeping for joy, but weeping out of sorrow for God's people. You know, sometimes preaching is not all about just rejoicing. And I, and I, uh, I, I relish that, I enjoy that. When the Lord can just seem, seemingly just kind of lift us up off this earth just for a little while. And we can feel to be in his kingdom. And, and the preacher is... Is is in, encouraging the congregation, and the and the congregation is is being lifted up as well uh, through the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and and we're able to rejoice in that. But that wasn't always that wasn't Jeremiah's uh, uh, message. Jeremiah's message here in the book of Jeremiah was talking about pending doom and judgment upon the children of Israel. So it wasn't with anything that he said that was that was you know uh, he said basically you're it's going to be uh, the, you're going to go into Babylonian captivity. He was letting them know what was going to happen. The children of Israel at this time had spent some 490 years. You remember they were given the commandment to keep the Sabbath on the seventh day, and there was also a Sabbath year on the seventh year or in the seventh year. They were to let their land rest. They they weren't to uh, they they weren't to harvest. They weren't to to plow up the ground. They were to let it rest. And of course, for four hundred ninety years, they didn't do that. They disobeyed God. And not only that, you go to the fifth chapter of Jeremiah, and they had they that wasn't the only error uh, that they had in the fifth chapter of Jeremiah in the last verse. <clears throat> It says the prophets prophesy falsely. They had false prophets there. This was another error that the children of Israel were in. The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests bear rule by their means and my people love to have it so. And my people, and what will ye do in the end thereof? And my people love to have it so. In other words, what he says, my people love these false prophets. That these people are coming in. And not only that, but like I said, they had disobeyed God's commandment in keeping that seventh year, that, that, that Sabbath year. So coincidentally, and it's not really a coincidence, they were going to be in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. Well, you take 70 times seven, seven, uh, uh, seven being one Sabbath, uh, one Sabbath every seven years, and they're, in, and they're in captivity for 70 years. It's already been prophesied by Jeremiah that they would be in captivity for 70 years. Well, what's 70 times 7? 490. Isn't that something? You see, God was going to allow His land to rest. And, in, and until that time, and until such time as that would happen, they were going to be in Babylonian captivity. 
The Lord had told them that. This was of the Lord's doing. This was a judgment upon the children of Israel. He goes on to say there, though, in the 11th verse of that 29th chapter of Jeremiah, he says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you an expected end. To give you an expected end. I'd like to try to speak this morning on that expected end. The expected end. He says, I know the thoughts of, that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil. Well, the Lord was thinking about them, wasn't He? And you say, well, what do you mean thoughts of peace? Because He was sending them into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. That doesn't sound like much peace. Well, of course it is. Because God was chastening His people never meant that His love was ever diminished for His people. We use that in our own day-to-day -day lives, don't we? In disciplining our children. Of course, you don't see that as much now uh, as you did in, in, in my era. Um, Brother Bible, we used to get flailed. <laughs> you know what that is. Uh, I mean, we we uh, if 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 Dad wasn't around, uh, he would be home soon enough, and before that, Mom would get a hold of us, and she wasn't. When we got to be a little bit bigger, uh, that didn't stop her chastening hand. Uh, she just grabbed Dad's belt, or she'd grab a switch, or something like that. And the whole time she was swatting at one of us, all she kept saying was, stand still. <laughs> you know why? Because we were going round and round and round and round. And she, would, she, might, she might get you somewhere between the shoulder blades and your calves. It just depends. But, we, but that, that didn't take away their love for me. I've had to discipline my daughter when she was, when she was younger. I want to tell you, if you don't discipline your kids, the Bible says uh, that, that, he that spare, he that spareth the rod. It doesn't say he that spareth the rod uh, 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 spoils his child. Spare the rod. It says he that spares the rod towards his children hates his child. We, we need discipline in this life. I got plenty of discipline growing up. And I didn't get all that I really needed. I wasn't going to make that known to my parents at the time. But I didn't get all that I needed. But I disciplined my daughter when she was growing up. But you know what? That did not take away my love for her one bit. Here we see the Lord disciplining His people. And yet while He's disciplining His people, He's letting them know that He'll be there for them. He is with them. And He says... For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. The Lord says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace. You know what Israel was able to do through the prophet Jeremiah? They were able to take a book, so to speak. You know how you, how you read a book and you get about halfway through and you want to see how it ends? You can just flip to the, you can flip to the black back chapter and you, you can see how it all ends. You know that's what Jeremiah was letting them know? Jeremiah was saying you're going to be in captivity for seven years because of your disobedience, because of your rebellion towards your father, towards God. But he said that's not all. 
He said, the Lord's going to bring you back out in 70 years. That's what he said in the 10th verse, the verse right before. He said, for thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good toward you and causing you to return to this place. He said, I'm going to bring you back. But until such time, there's going to be some chastening. Every son whom the Lord receiveth, he, every son whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. That's what the Bible says in the twelfth chapter of Hebrews. Every son whom the Lord loves, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. They're scourging for the child of God. If you be without chastisement, the Bible says, then are you bastards and not sons. We're going to get chastened of God. None of us are perfect. But it's not taking away God's love for us. The Bible tells us time and time again that His love is everlasting. That His love is great. That He has a great love wherein He hath loved us. That does not diminish with God. Our love for one another in this life may diminish and it may grow, it may, it may swing and it may woo, it may change. But I want to tell you what, dear child of God, God's love will never diminish for you. It's as great now as it ever has been. I don't care what the past of your life has been like and your disobedience and your rebellion towards God. I want to tell you, He's loved you just the same. From before the foundation of the world. And he'll continue on loving you. That doesn't mean brothers and sisters. That he loves what we do. When we don't, when we don't do what we ought to do. Just like our children. There's a chastening hand of God. But it's out of love. And the Bible tells us. In the 12th chapter of Hebrews. That if you have been chastened of God. What a great thing that is to rejoice in. Because it bringeth about the peaceable fruit of righteousness by those that are exercised thereby. The peaceable fruit of righteousness. That's the purpose of God's chastening towards His children. I can remember when I would have to chasten my daughter when she was very little. And I, and I would have to spank her. And then I'd send her to her room. And she'd run to her room crying. And then about 30 minutes later or so, she'd open up the door and she'd say, Daddy, can I come on out? I said, yeah, you can come on out now. And you know where she went to? She went and jumped on my lap. And she'd jump on my lap and give me a big old hug and tell me how much she loved me. And I would assure my love for her at that time that I loved her. You know what that was doing? That chasing was bringing about the peaceable fruit of righteousness by those that are exercised thereby. What a wonderful thing it is when God chases. It's, it's not fun during the chastening. But what a wonderful thing it is when we exercise the, the purpose of this chastening, the chastening hand of God. That we can come together uh, back in fellowship with God once again. Does that mean there won't be any other chastenings? No, I can't speak for you, but I can sure speak for this sinner that stands before you. There'll be times and time again that, I, that I'll be chastened of God. But he says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace. Thoughts of peace. 
The Lord says, I know the thoughts that I think of you. Isn't it a blessing to know that God is thinking about you? You know, man's thoughts are not like God's thoughts. My thoughts are not your thoughts, he said in Isaiah. Neither are my ways your ways. As, as, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. But I want to tell you, man, man uh, can, can, you know, our thoughts are just but in vanity, right? The thoughts of man, the, the Lord said in Psalms 94, 11, that the thoughts of man, the Lord said the thoughts of man are just, are all vanity. That means they're just fleeting. They're, for, they're nothing. They're like a vapor. Like the Apostle Peter said, that appeareth for a while and then vanisheth away. We, our thoughts are not ever, are, are not lasting, are they? I'm, unfortunately, I have been to the place, and most of y'all probably in here are, know exactly what I'm talking about. I can get up from my desk in my bedroom, and before I get to the dining room, I've forgotten what I got up for. I, I completely forget what I was looking for. You know that, and, and then I got to backtrack in my mind and try to figure it out. You know, uh, our thoughts for one another fade away in time. On this earth, I'm talking about. When we pass away, when we pass over, and we're laid in an earthen grave, and the tombstone is set there as a marker of where these old bodies lay, it won't be long, brothers and sisters, that you'll be complete. You won't be thought of anymore by man. I've got there's tombstones. I love to go to old cemeteries, and you know some of the old cemeteries just got a rock sitting there. Doesn't even have any etching. If it did, the etching wore off years ago. Forgotten people by man, but not forgotten by God. God knows us. He has thoughts towards us. And what a wonderful and blessed thing that that is over in Psalms 33 and 11. He says, The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The counsel is talking about the will of God. His counsel. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. I want to tell you it's a blessed thing to know that the Lord thinks about you. Malachi puts it down as he has a book of remembrance. Of those that speak often one to another about the Lord. The Lord knows our thoughts. The Lord knows what we're thinking. The Lord knows what we're thinking before we think it. He knows our actions. He knows our intents. Even when we, we don't know our intents. The heart is desperately evil. And who can know it? It's wicked above all things and desperately uh, evil. Who can know it? But God does. But God thinks peace towards us as well. And I'm thankful for that. When he says over there in 2 Timothy in chapter 2 and verse 19, the Apostle Paul's talking to Timothy, uh, 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 talking to Timothy about those that have had their faith overthrown. They had, they've had their faith overthrown because they, uh, Hymenius and Philetus had told them that the resurrection had passed already. Their faith was weak. They were distressed. They were troubled. 
But what did the Lord say through the writings of the Apostle Paul? Nevertheless. Nevertheless. Don't leave out that nevertheless. Because I want to tell you what, dear child of God, on the other side of that nevertheless is the hope and assurance that we need. Even though in times when our faith may be waning. Even though in times uh, when we're not looking to the Lord, we're looking to this world. He said, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. You notice what it says? That the Lord knoweth them that are His. We are known of the Lord. And the Lord thinks upon us. And the Lord thinks upon thinks peace upon us. And we want to get into that just a little bit. The Lord has always been and always will be. He, he, is, the, he is the eternal Father of, of heaven and earth. You remember he said over in the 11th chapter, or in the 12th, 12th chapter rather of Mark, in the 26th verse, when the Sadducees were coming up against him and, and, and denying these things, marriage uh, and, and the resurrection, and the Lord says, as touching the dead, that they rise not. Have you not read in the book of Moses how in the bush of how in the bush God spake unto them, saying, Listen to what he says here. Centuries after Abraham, uh, uh, Isaac, and, uh, and Jacob were, were dead. He says, How in the bush God spake unto him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Notice he didn't say, I was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He said, I am. You remember what he told uh, Moses that his name was? He says, I am that I am. I am. He has always been the I am. He'll never be the I was or I'm going to be. Jesus Christ, God, is the great I am. Not only is He the I am when it comes to our eternal salvation, but He is the I am when it comes to all things that we need in this life. He is the I am. And he says, I am. After centuries after they had been centuries after they had they had died. And their bodies had been laid in sepulchres and in the tomb. He says, I am. He goes on to say in that 27th verse, He is not the God of the dead, but praised be to God. He says, He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Ye therefore do greatly err. <laughs> Ye greatly therefore do err. Greatly err. I want to tell you what, dear child of God, the Lord thinks about us and has thoughts towards us because He is the great I Am. He has always been and He always will be. He thought about us from before the foundation of the world. Listen to what the Apostle Peter said in, in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18 and 20. For you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from the vain conversations received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, who was as of a lamb uh, without spot, without blemish, uh, slain, uh, who was... Verily foreordained. 21st. 
who verily was foreordained for us. Let me go and get that. There's some of that that I'm, I'm, not, um, I'm not getting right. Uh, but when we read this, what a, what a great blessing it is uh, that we can understand and we can rejoice in what the Lord has done. Uh, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. He was foreordained. Foreordained to what? For that redemption. Because you're not redeemed by, by things of silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, he said. He was foreordained before the foundation of the world. If he was foreordained before the foundation of the world, that means the Lord had you in mind and was thinking things of peace towards you from before the foundation of the world. Because he sent his son, and that was a covenant in blood he, uh, before the foundation of the world. God didn't just start thinking towards you, dear child of God, when you were, when, uh, when you were in your, conceived in your mother's womb. He didn't start thinking about you, dear child of God, when you started doing good deeds pleasing to the Lord. The only reason you're able to do good deeds pleasing to the Lord is because He's already thought of you. He's already done something in you. We love God because He first loved us, John said. That means it's not an obligatory love. It means the only way that we can love God. If you have a love of God in your heart, there's only one way that that love can be there, and that's because the love of God planted it there in the new birth. We love Him because He first loved us. In 1 Timothy chapter 9 and verse... Uh, 1 Timothy... Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9, it's, it says there... Um, well, let me go get that, brethren and sisters. I apologize. So some of these times, uh, who hath saved us? Thank you, brother Bobby. Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given Him, which was given in Christ before the world began, which was given in Christ before the world began. You see, I want to tell you when the Lord started thinking about you is when the Lord started loving you. Now you, you, you answer to me when the Lord started loving you and I'll give you the same answer of when the Lord started thinking about you. You know why? There is no answer for that. <laughs> His love never started for you. He has loved you with an everlasting love. And you've been on His mind and His heart from before the foundation of the world. God the Father. God the Son was there brother Bobby. And the Holy Ghost were there. And they entered into a covenant. And that covenant was for those that God loved. That he was thinking about. He thought about you when he. Uh, before the foundation of the world. Saw the fallen Adam. He saw that you were going to be lost. And he made provisions. In the person of Jesus Christ. Which was, if you'll have it, was God in the flesh. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. It was God. It was God. They can't be, they can't be separate. I can't separate God the Father, God the Son, and not God the Holy Ghost. I know they were all three shown there, uh, they, were, they were all three shown there at Christ's baptism. 
You remember that? But I don't understand that, Brother Bobby. <laughs> I can't understand that. But I don't have to understand something to believe it. I don't understand how electricity works, but just stick you, get, get you a bobby pin and stick your finger in a, in, a, in a receptacle. It'll make a believer out of you. It'll make a believer out of you. I don't understand how it works, but it works. And it lights you up. I don't understand. I, I can't see a mother's love. Literally, I, I mean, I can't see a mother's love, but, but I've experienced, but I believe in it because I've experienced the love of my mother. There's a lot of things that we might not be able to see or understand, but I want to tell you what, I don't understand how God took nothing and in six days made everything. I don't understand that, but I believe it. I believe God did that. I believe that by faith. I believe these things by faith. So we're thankful to have these thoughts in our minds and in our hearts. And God is unchangeable. God is unchangeable. He, as I've already said, His thoughts towards you will never change. His love towards you will never change. He said over in the third chapter of Malachi, I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Thank you again, Brother Bobby. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Do you know why we're not consumed? Well, we just read it. Because the Lord doesn't change. He's immutable. His immutable counsel is found in the sixth chapter of Hebrews. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie that we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope which is set before us. Which hope is an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast and entereth into that veil whither the forerunner Jesus Christ has also entered. You know where our anchor is? We're not talking about a ship anchor that goes down. We're talking about an anchor that goes up. We're talking about an anchor that's anchored in the Lord. That's how sure it is. That we can rejoice in that because his immutability is an un, 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 unableness to change. When he makes an oath, when he makes a promise, you know, he said over in the now, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, over in uh, over in Titus, he said in the first chapter, in the second verse, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised when you received him. No, that's not what it said, Brother Bob. It doesn't say that. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. He promised that before the world began. You know, this, this promise and love of God and His thoughts towards you and thoughts of peace didn't just start when you came into this world, as I've already said. You've been in the mind and the heart of God before the waves ever beat a timely Sure. He knew you. He loved you with an everlasting love before the sun ever cast its first lights. And He will continue loving you. And He will continue being with you. He's unchangeable. But listen to what He says. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you an expected end. Now the expected end that they had 
They, they had an expectation to give you an expected end. They, they knew that they were going to be in Babylonian captivity, but you know what their expected end was? That in 70 years, we're going to come, be able to come back home. He gave them that expected end. They, they, were going to be, uh, uh, they, they were going to be over there, but there would be a time in 70 years and the Lord was speaking peace to them, saying, now you're going to be there for 70 years, but after that I want you to know, here's the expected end. You're going to be brought out of Babylon and you're going to go back home to your land. Oh, what a wonderful thing that is, <laughs> that expected end. You know, we have... In this life, as far as the natural man, we have all sorts of expectations, don't we? Sure. I think the younger we are, the more expectations we have. And as we get older, we don't try to make as many expectations. You know why I think that is? Because we realize so many of our expectations fail anyhow. <laughs> you know, when, when we're young, we have expectations of of having a large family. I know me and my wife had the expectation when we got married some 32 years ago of having having three kids or so, at least three children. Well, that didn't work out. We're very thankful for the one we got. And she's probably given us as much trouble as three of them. But, uh, but that was our expectation. But, but, that, but that didn't come through. Some people may have expectations of making more money. Say, so, well, if I was just making two or three more hundred dollars a month, boy, I would be doing so much better. And they have that expectation of a raise coming and, and we're going to be doing so much better, honey, if I, can, if I can get that raise. And you know what? You get that raise, you're not a bit more better off than you were before you got it. <laughs> the expectations that man has. And the rich man, his expectations. You know what a rich man's biggest worry is? His money. His money. He stays up all night worrying about his money. Worrying about the investments of his money. Is somebody going to come and get his money? So the stock market's going to crash and he's going to lose that money. It's like Brother Marvin. I remember him saying one time, some people make all they can. Can all they make. And then sit on the can. <laughs> if you didn't get that, think about that a little while. He'll come to you. <clears throat> you know, money's not no good. I mean, we, we try to, it doesn't, it doesn't make you any happier. Expectations. I can remember growing up in the science classes, they were talking about it wouldn't be long to there be holiday ends on the moon. Y'all remember that? It was in the science books. That man was going to be able to just jet on over to the moon for a, for a weekend vacation or whatever it was. And, 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 you know, that was the expectation. It didn't, didn't come through, did it? Expectations in this life will fail you. Expectations in this life will fail you. You know, in Luke chapter 12, I want to show you one that uh, had some expectations. He said, the ground of a certain man... Certain rich man brought forth plentifully. Now here's a man that brought forth. He had he, he, it was plentiful. His crops were were a great amount of crops. That's what we can gather from in the in this parable. Did that relieve him of all of his troubles? No, no, it didn't relieve him of all of his troubles. Because listen to what he says. And he thought within himself, saying, "What shall I do? Because I have no room where to where to bestow my fruits." 
You see, he just brought up more trouble for him. Now, now what? I've got all this. Now what am I going to do with it? Instead of giving it out and helping out others, he says, "Ah, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger barns. I'll build bigger storehouses and be able to to keep it all there." And I will say to myself, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. You know, that, that when, when you look at that, Brother Arbor, I think about somebody that's, uh, and I'm talking to, preaching to myself now, about somebody that's about to retire. They, they got all the money in the storehouse. And they can say, well, I'm just, you know, I, I'm, I'm sad. I can just eat, drink, and, and be merry. I can just get that old rocking chair on the front porch and everything's just going to be all right. Expectations. Listen to what he says. God had said unto him, thou fool. He called him a fool. I didn't call him a fool. God called him a fool. He says, but God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee when when." Those when then who shall these things be when thou which thou hast provided? So he that layeth up treasure for himself is not rich toward God. A lot of expectations in this life like that just go go to naught. But there are some things that we can expect. There are some things in this life that the natural man can't expect. If the Lord doesn't come first. And I'll tell you what you can expect. You can expect to grow old and then die. You say, well, that's not very comforting. That's not very encouraging, Brother Carey. No, but it's the truth. We're all going, you know, I didn't think about it when I was little. I reckon I thought, like everybody else thought, that I was just going to live on forever. And you know, you see young people now making fun of elderly people. And they're making fun of the very people that they hope that they get to be one day. They want to live to be old too. But you know, as we get older, we start to get aches and pains. This is, this is something, this is a true expectation. If we're able to live long enough, if we're blessed with a long life, we got some expectations. The Apostle uh, or Solomon spoke about that in the 12th chapter of Ecclesiastes. Some expectations that you can expect. Here's some expectations. He says, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. In the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not. Nor the years draw nigh. Then thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. You know, it was just earlier in Ecclesiastes that the apostle, that, the, that, the, that, the apostle, uh, that Solomon said, I hated life. I hated life. A man that had everything that the natural heart could desire. He realized this flesh never gets satisfied. But listen to what he says. In the day, in the third verse, in the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble. You know what the keepers of the house are? I believe that's your legs. I believe that's your frame. That you become more and more feeble. And men shall bow themselves. And the grinders cease because they are few. You know what the grinders are? They're your teeth. 
they'll cease because they are few. These are some expectations. Glad you came, right? And those that look out of the windows and those that look out of the windows be darkened. The eyes. Your eyes start failing. There's some expect there's some real expectations. And the doors shall be shut in the street. What is that? I believe that's the doors of opportunity. As you get older, this world doesn't have any use for you anymore. They've got all the good out of you. And listen, it says, when the sound of the grinding is low, that's talking about your hearing. It doesn't mean the grinding is low. It says the sound of the grinding is low. And we start to lose our, we start to lose our hearing. It says, and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird. He can't get a good night's rest anymore. And all the daughters of music shall be brought low. Also when they be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be in the way, fears shall be in the way. And he goes on to say even the grasshopper is a burden. You know, as we get older, we begin to get troubled more and more about just the small things in life. We're in our in our youth. We didn't we didn't give it. We didn't get paid no mind. These are things, brothers and sisters, that you can expect. These are things that are going to come about. Another thing that we can expect expect is found over in Second Timothy, chapter three. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. You can expect that in this world. See, what I'm, what I'm showing you is we have all sorts of expectations in our life of, of everything that's going to be coming up roses, but the Bible paints us a very different picture in this life. For men shall be lovers of, them, of, them, of their own selves, Covetish, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. You know, that's a shame today. We see parents that have no natural affection. You know, even a dog has natural affections for its litter. But we see mothers and fathers today that have no natural affection for their own child. Truce breakers. You can't. You can enter into a covenant with somebody, but it, it, there's plenty of truce breakers out there today that'll break them. False accusers. Incontinent. That just means without self-control. Fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded. There's about 18 different traits here. And then he goes on to say a little bit further, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Those are things that you can expect, dear child of God, in this life. Those are things that are going to come upon us in this life. But I want to tell you, he, thought, he thinks thoughts of peace, saith the Lord. Not evil. To bring about an expected end. There's an expected end in this life. But I want to tell you about another expected end that, that the child of God can look forward to. 
That expected end is being is when we're brought out as the children of Israel were brought out of that captivity. I want to tell you what, dear child of God, and 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 ushered back into their to their homeland. There's a day coming, dear child of God, when we'll be leaving this low land of sin and sorrow. And then in that day, dear child of God, there's an expected end. You see, we know what happens in the end. We've read the last chapter. We know what happens. And I can tell you what happens, dear child of God. We'll all get ushered home to be with the Lord. <coughs> he said over in, in Philippians, he said, the apostle said in the first chapter of Philippians, according to my earnest expectation. You know that divines hope? According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall reign, shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by uh, life or by death. For me to live as Christ and to die, what did he say? Is gain. You see, he had an earnest expectation. The Apostle Paul again talked about that earnest expectation in the 8th chapter of Romans when he says, For the creature itself waiteth for the earnest, ex for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. You know what that, who that creature is? Therefore, if we be in Christ, we are a new creature. <coughs> Second Corinthians chapter 5. That's the new creature in Christ Jesus. <coughs> has an earnest expectation waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. You know what they're waiting on? You know what you're waiting on? That earnest expectation. You're waiting on that day when the Lord's going to come back. And He's going to come and He's going to bring up these bodies out of the grave. You see, the dead in Christ have no expectations outside of this world. But we do, dear child of God, through the gospel, we're made to see. Uh, and you know, you know, when you read a fairy tale, and they say, and they all lived happily ever after. Well, I want to tell you what, dear child of God, here's a story here, and it ain't no fairy tale. They're all going to live happily ever after one day when we go home to be with the Lord. And we've got knowledge. We've heard the gospel of that expected end, that He thinks thoughts towards us, thoughts of peace. Not evil to bring about an expected end. And we can rejoice in that, dear child of God. Job having an expected end. Over in Job 19, you remember Job had lost uh, about everything that he had. <clears throat> he had lost his children. He had lost his, uh, he'd, he'd lost his crops. He'd lost his cattle, his, his sheep. He'd lost about everything that he had. And he lost the support of his wife, too, by the way. <clears throat> And there he sat with boils from the bottom of his feet to the crown of his head. And the only relief that uh, Job could get was just uh, scratching himself with a piece of posture, just a you know a, a broken clay, and you just get that up and just trying to trying to find some peace and trying to find some rest. You know, I bet Job didn't expect any of those things. <clears throat> he said, "The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away." The Lord didn't take away those things; that Satan took away those things. When the Bible says the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, I believe he's talking about the hedge. I believe he can give the hedge and he can take away the hedge and he can let Satan come in and he's still just and he's still sovereign. But listen to what Job says in the 19th chapter of Job. Job gets to rejoice in an expected end. He says, Oh, that my words were now written. 
Oh, that they were printed in a book, that they were graven with an iron pen and led in the rock forever. <clears throat> For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself. And mine eyes shall behold. He said it's going to be mine eyes. I'm going to see him for myself. It's not going to be somebody else. He goes on to say, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. I want to tell you the apostle, or I want to tell you Job here in the midst of all his troubles and the trials and the things that were going on in his life was caused to rejoice in an expected end. And what the Lord had done. Isn't that what, isn't that uh, the same with David? In 2 Samuel 23 and verse 5. David had seen now while he was on his deathbed. He had seen how he missed out on all the blessings of God because of the things, some of the choices that he had made. <clears throat> he says, although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things is sure, for this is all my salvation, and all my desire, though he make it not to grow. You see, David... On his deathbed, deathbed, saw the expected end. He knew that he had made mistakes, but he also knew that there was a there was a God that had saved him, and he knew that heaven would be his home. Dear child of God, we may go through a lot of troubles and trials in this life, and if we live long enough, we will. <clears throat> we certainly will. Something's going to take us out. If the Lord doesn't come first, something's going to take us out of here. And in between now and that time, in between now and that grave, we may have a lot of expectations, but the true expectations of we're going to be getting older and there are going to be around troubles and trials and perilous times. And evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. <clears throat> but let us find hope and joy in that the Lord has thought things of peace towards us to give us an expected end that one day we will be home with him in glory. God bless you. I appreciate the time.